views expressed on this program are not necessarily the views of this station. Content is for educational purposes only. Consult a financial advisor or conduct your own due diligence if investing. The show is pre-recorded. Everyday Wealth is produced and created by Edelman Financial Engines and hosted by Gene Chatsky. Ms. Chatsky is not an employee or client of the firm. She receives fixed cash compensation as host and for related activities, and therefore has an incentive to endorse Edelman Financial Engines and its planners. For additional information, please see www.edelmanfinancialengines.com slash everydaywealth. The 2022 Top 100 Independent Advisory Firm ranking issued by Barron's is qualitative and quantitative, including assets managed by the firm, technology spending, staff diversity, succession planning, and other metrics. Firms elect to participate but do not pay to be included in the ranking. Compensation is paid for use and distribution of rating. Awarded September 2022 based on data within a 12-month period. Investor experience and returns are not considered. At the intersection of life and money, this is Edelman Financial Engine's Everyday Wealth with personal finance expert, Gene Chatsky. Edelman Financial Engines has been ranked by Barron's as the number one investment advisor in the country. Now, here's Gene Chatsky. Hey, everyone. It's Gene Chatsky. Thanks so much for joining me today on Everyday Wealth. If you're like many people, you have probably spent years, maybe even decades, envisioning your ideal retirement. Maybe you're making plans to travel to far-off places, London, Paris, Tokyo, Australia. You might be looking forward to spending more time with your family, your friends. Maybe you're thrilled to be able to sometime soon spend a little more time on your favorite pastimes, gardening, cooking, playing golf, fishing, what Whatever it is that brings you joy. And because you're listening to this show, you have likely also focused at least somewhat on the financial aspects of the next phase of life. You've thought about things like your investments, taxes, insurance, estate plans, healthcare, and even more. And maybe you've even been working with a financial advisor to make sure that all of those plans you're making are within the financial realm. If you haven't, it's just a hint. But what about the psychological aspect of retiring? Have you thought about that? At first, the idea of no more morning commutes, business tricks, toxic politics at the office, dealing with difficult bosses, those things are a huge relief. But what many people find is that the initial joy can wear off fairly quickly. The novelty of being free from work soon goes away. One expert who studies this told me it takes approximately two years. So why does this happen? Well, it might be because you lose a sense of meaning, some of your identity, and suddenly you feel a lack of purpose because all of those things came at least in some part from your job. There is the missing social aspect of having coworkers with whom you share a relationship in retirement, unless you're amazing at making plans, some of this goes away. It can lead to feelings of isolation and boredom. And some new retirees even experience mental health challenges like anxiety and depression. In fact, Let me just put it out there. Some new research shows that retirement, depending on how you play it, can actually be bad for your health. A study from the Harvard School of Public Health found that people who retired within one year were 40% more likely to have a heart attack or stroke compared with those who were still working. The simple fact is retirement, believe it or not, is stressful. And this is something we know from what's called the Holmes-Rahe Stress Inventory. It's a ranking 
of the most stressful life events. At the very top of the list, not surprisingly, death of a spouse. This is the most stressful event you will experience in your life. After that, divorce, separation from a spouse, getting arrested, going to jail. Number 10 on the list is retiring from work. And so today we're going to dive into why retirement is so stressful, how you can reduce some of that stress in your current or upcoming retirement so that you can get on with your life and live a comfortable, happy existence. And for help with that, I want to bring on Andy Smith and Isabel Barrow. Both are financial planners with Edelman Financial Engines. Nice to have you guys back. Good morning. Hey, good morning, Jean. So both of you work with clients around helping them prepare for and then live this ideal retirement. So you're very qualified to dive into this subject of retirement stress because you've got people helping you through it. And I know you're not therapists. I know you're not psychologists, but I've also heard you describe your clients coming into the office and laying it all out on the couch. So Isabel, let me just ask you, why is retirement so stressful for so many? Well, I think obviously it's really different for people depending on where you are in your phase of life. Are you ready for retirement? Are you not? You know, was it voluntary? Was it not? And I think that people handle stress differently, um, obviously. And retirement affects different people in different ways. So some are very stressed about the idea of retiring, very stressed when they first transition into retirement, and others aren't. There are certain types of people that I think are probably more apt to being stressed about retirement or having that kind of stress and anxiety experience. And that may be people who have defined themselves by their job, by their work, what they do. You know, I think people like if you're a doctor or a lawyer or a professor, maybe you really identify with that's who I am. And when that's taken away, you know, you're kind of, I think, a little bit searching for your your identity. Um, People who probably transition a little bit more easily into retirement are those who weren't really happy in their jobs to begin with, first of all, or those who had maybe a really stressful job um, where it was just, you know, let's say you're you're military or or police or a corporate executive, a pilot, you know, you've got a really stressful day-to-day job and it's draining. And that may be a a little bit of an easier transition into retirement because you're sort of relieved to get out of that, that stress environment you were in. Is there any sort of a common thread between these two groups, the people who really identify with work and love it and the people who don't love it so much that explains why it could still be stressful? Well, I think a major driver of that could be, again, if that if you have identified so much of who you are around your job and it's how you socialize, it's all of your, your kind of friend group and all of your peers are really around your work. And that's how you've spent most of your day and, and most of your social life. That can be really hard transition. You know, you're, you're, you spent decades in the same job and the same industry and you've been socializing with those people more than anyone else, maybe even including your family, probably spent more time with them than your family. And so losing that social network can be really difficult. Yeah. I I mean, I've had that experience, not when I've retired, because I'm not retired, but when I changed jobs, right? I had the same, I had lunch 
When I was at Smart Money Magazine, I had lunch with the same five people every day for five years. And you got so tired of watching them chew. No. No. I mean, I I loved it, actually. I mean, maybe I got tired of watching them (laughs) chew. I don't really remember what they ate. But I do remember that when I switched jobs, I was so sad, right? I was just really sad for a really long time. What else do you see? What do you see among your clients, Andy? You know, I see a loss of a sense of purpose. You know, when you're doing your job, your brain's engaged, Mm -hmm. right? And so when you leave your job, there's this vacuum that your brain used to fill with all of these mental challenges that the job brought on. And related to that, you know, the job adds structure to your life. You know, you know where you're going to be, who you're going to be with and everything else. So when you retire, you lose that structure, right? You, you have to deal with this vacuum and your brain is trying to accommodate and deal with all of these other things. And a lot of people feel lost with that. And so if there's nothing there to fill the void, there's problems. Right. And when there's not enough stuff that fills the void or the wrong stuff fills the void, there's even more problems. But it all comes down to kind of what that purpose is. Sometimes relationship problems, right? I mean, how many times have you heard somebody say for better or worse, but not for lunch? <laughs> possibly, possibly. You Not know, in your own house. Well, I remember doing some segments on people who retire at the same time. Right. Worst idea ever. Yeah. Right. right. Because now all of a sudden you are filling 20 hours of your life with this person that you didn't fill 20 hours of your life with before. We saw that during the pandemic. Yes. Right. And everybody loved playing the game. Honey, you're doing it wrong. Right. It's just like, I'm filling the dishwasher. No, you're doing it wrong. You know, you're like all these other things. Well, guess what? In retirement, you've made huge changes. You're no longer working. The income has changed. Your relationship with your spouse and your kids and, and all of these different things are changing. It could be a huge, huge mess. I, I hear all the time, and I'm Andy, I would bet you do too, um, is, you know, a husband and wife are talking about retiring or retirement and what that's going to look like. And they're both like looking at each other like, well, we're going to have to have some hobbies because I am not going to do okay with like being around the house with him or her all day Absolutely. without anything to do. And it's not because they don't want to be together. They do. They want to do their vacations and everything together, but they don't want to be together morning, noon, and night every single day, you know, and so that's a little bit stressful. It's a lot stressful. It is, this is not a divorce show, but this is why we saw divorces spike in the pandemic, right? People realized they just, that much togetherness was was not a good thing. So let's talk solutions, Isabel. How do you help clients make a healthy transition? Well, I think number one is being financially secure, being comfortable, right? You have to first and foremost know where you stand in regard to your financial situation, have comfort and like clear vision around that. So that's the financial planning piece and knowing you've got that really well laid out. But then the next part from an emotional standpoint is about being ready and willing to accept that that change and the transition. And, you know, life is always changing and evolving, right? I mean, I think back when I got out of college and I had my first job and I was really excited about all this. And then I kind of was like, this is it. This is life. Like, this is sort of weird, right? I'm waiting for something to happen. And it's like, you know, I I don't know, it it was a big change. It was a big transition. And I realized that I needed hobbies. You know, I couldn't, my life couldn't just be work every day. I had to have other things to do. And so I wasn't quite ready for that change and everything that was happening without having other things to do, you know? And and so retirement is just yet another one of those types of transitions where if you're not thinking about it from a standpoint of, 
looking ahead and saying, okay, this is going to be a big change. This isn't just me walking out of the door one day and, and into my house and everything being the same. Accept that change, adjust to it, plan for it, and maybe plan some things initially to get your mind off of it right off the bat. Yeah, and let me amplify that. So I think the difference, the the issue is now is that we have all of this knowledge about how, like, think about, oh my gosh, if you could go back to high school now, what would you do differently? If you could go back to college now or your first job or anything else, I think the difference now is that people know all the stuff now that they didn't know then. And so when, yes, it's another transition, but I think sometimes people amplify all of these stresses because they know that they don't have the the number of years left, yeah. mm-hmm. right? And so then you it's number 10 on the stress inventory for a reason, right? right? You're more worried about retirement than your close friend dying, right? So that means something there. And so when people don't have anybody to talk to, when people don't have anything, anybody to bounce things off of, or there's no plan in place, that number 10 on the stress inventory has every possibility of moving higher because people just aren't ready. Yeah. They're not ready to think about it like that. You talked a little bit about purpose, about finding a purpose. And I think the word purpose can be really scary because we think it has to be purpose, right? It doesn't always have to be that. What do you What do you mean? No, it doesn't always have to be capital P purpose. It always doesn't have to be capital M meaning, right? There's something important for everybody to understand. Retirement does not need to be an all or nothing sort of decision, right? Retirement in 2023 is a lot different than retirement in the past. Some of my clients take kind of a gradual approach to getting into retirement. We talk all the time about this glide path into retirement, Well, there's also a glide path those first few years that you are retired, Mm -hmm. right? It's not that you're just shutting everything off and not doing anything else. It's just a lot of times what I see when I ask people, what do you want to do? Like, do you want to stop working or do you just want to stop working for that guy? And a lot of times it's just, I want to stop working for that guy. And then you talk about the spouse conversations and they don't want to spend all of this time together. They know that they need to be engaged. They know that they need to have purpose and meaning, but it's entirely different now in 2023 and beyond than what we saw even five, 10 years ago. That's exactly what my husband Elliot's doing. I mean, he is gliding right now as we speak. So he stepped away from his full-time job. It's been five years now at this point. He is 67 years old. He was in human resources, which he loved for a long time. He was the talent director at a, at a big magazine company and uh, a publishing company. And for the first 20 years, all he was doing was hiring exciting people. And then the last few years, they were consolidating and he was firing people. And he was like, this is just, I can't do this anymore. So he left, he retired, but he hung out a shingle as a career counselor. And now he's doing that about 15 hours a week, mostly remotely. And that's good. That's enough. It keeps him engaged. He gets to talk to interesting people. He has appointments in his calendar. I can't say how important that is. Appointments in your calendar is really important, but it's allowing him to sort of phase into it. Right. It's not binary. It's not on off. Right. So it. some people call it unretirement. Some people call it this glide path. But the idea is when you plan for something, you know that you want to do something else. You either want to stop working entirely or you want to stop working for one person in particular. I think the problems that we see are these unplanned changes. Right. You were just hell bent for election 
you knew that you wanted to get out of this job. Yeah. And you were just going around town. I can't wait to retire. I'm doing this and this and this. What happened? Six months later, you're calling around for contracting gigs. Right. You're calling around for consulting gigs and you're playing it up like you just want to do this and give back to the industry. You're bored. You made a huge decision <laughs> right. and you're just trying to claw your way out. Well, because of it. your focus in that example is so much on. I just want to leave this job. I just want to get out of this job. Your focus is not on, you know, what's the next phase of my life? Like, what's me 2.0 when right. I get out of this job? So that's a problem. You know, right. you ha I, I really think that a lot of this um, stress and anxiety can be solved by just having a vision, by just even writing it down and say, okay, here's the four things I'm going to do right. in retirement that I want to focus on. And, and it doesn't have to be, you know, to both of your points, it doesn't have to be immediate. And also, let's just say you you focus so much on getting out of this job. And so you quit and you're like, oh boy, okay, now, well, now I'm, now that's done. Now what do I do? Well, take some time, you know, mm -hmm. relax, don't stress. You can't can go back and get another consulting gig. You can go get another part-time job. You can go work for a charity. Just take a deep breath. It'll be okay. The well, idea well, is you have to know what's going to fill your days. Right. Yes. Plain and simple. And you can do all of those things and you can still be really stressed and really anxious. And I think one of the best things about the last decade is that we're talking about this now, right? We are now talking about the fact that mentally... Uh, we're stressed, we're anxious, we're feeling unwell, and we want to take steps to deal with it. And sometimes you need more than a bubble bath, right? Sometimes you need more than a massage. You can't just breathe this away. Sometimes you can, right? And, and exercise, I know you're a proponent of that, is, has been shown to be a huge stress reliever, but sometimes you need help. I, I agree. And I think, you know, with our clients... Obviously, most of the time we're talking to them about their money. Um, but the reality is if you've been working with somebody for 10 and 20 years, you know them pretty well. Yeah. And when they transition into retirement, we are concerned about how they are going to transition and how are they going to stay happy and lead a fulfilling life and have that sense of purpose. And so we're talking to them about broader stuff than just, you know, okay, how's the how's the monthly expenses? And, you know, how are you doing without that paycheck? And let's talk about social security. I mean, obviously we're gonna talk about that stuff, but it's often that somebody will sit down in our office and we say, How are things? going? How's retirement going? And they're like, well, it's, you know, it's okay. So we'll maybe talk to them about, hey, here are some things that you can think about doing. I talk a lot about hobbies. I talk a lot about working with charities. I talk a lot about visiting family, planning a vacation, just having something on your radar, but definitely exercise is a big one. You know, I've got a lot of um, clients that are in their 60s and 70s who took up yoga. Like during the pandemic, they started taking yoga classes virtually and they love it and they stuck with it. Or cooking, you mm -hmm. know, cooking can be very cathartic and maybe taking a, a culinary class. My 11-year-old son, he went to culinary camp this summer for two weeks. And every time he comes home, he's like, all right, well, we're going to start making pasta from scratch right now. And, you know, it's for him, it's like, I mean, he loves it. But if you haven't done stuff like that before, you know, branch out a little bit, like think about different types of exercise routines that you could do or getting out in nature and treating yourself to something nice, you know, whether yeah. or not it's a a shopping trip, a vacation, or, or just a, something as simple as the bubble bath or the manicure, pedicure, you know, those are things that can help alleviate stress. What about when that stress is coming from this fear that I'm going to run out of money? I uh, run right to the problem. 
You know, the people would rather talk about dying. They'd rather talk about their relationships, all of these other things rather than talk about money. So if you're not dealing with the financial aspect of what your retirement is, you're missing out on a huge thing. The problem is, is that everybody knows that the stakes are so much higher and you don't have the time to fix your mistakes. I tell people all the time, look, there's nothing wrong with being old. There's nothing wrong with being poor. When you are old and poor, you you can't make one wrong decision ever, Yeah, right? So that's where the anxiety comes from. People are worried about running out of money in retirement. The relief to that stress is just starting the conversation, having this comprehensive kind of plan in place because not only, you know, you got to retirement. Well, now you have to get through retirement as well. And all of the things that you talked about, with, you know, a friend at work or your crazy uncle or some, you know, discount broker that took you for a ride and sold you all this stuff that you don't need. Fine. But that got you to retirement. Now you have to change your thinking and understand what it's going to take to get you all the way through. What do you do with social security? What do you do with pensions? Mm -hmm. When do you claim social security? What's your cash flow like? Uh, how are you going to withdraw from the different accounts? You've got IRAs and Roths and brokerages. And we talked, you know, in the past about 529s, what to do with those, all of those things together. Most people do not have a financial plan for retirement. And I think that that is absolutely absurd. People spend more time planning for a vacation. People spend more time planning to purchase a car than they do planning for retirement. And so you can go a really long way to help reduce these anxieties by talking to somebody who can work through all of these things with you. Because it's interesting, you know, we've got these 40-some stressful life events that happen to people, but the thread that ties many of them together is money. Absolutely. And I, and I think that it's also important to remember that retirement isn't linear. So like when you're thinking about your concerns around retirement or getting there and having your financial plan in place, well, that financial plan, you know, it's just a piece of paper. That is only a snapshot in time of where you stand today. Because in five years, your retirement might be different. You might have decided, hey, I am going to go back to work or hey, I am going to spend more time traveling or visiting family and I need more money. You've got to be flexible. So whatever plan you create, you have to have built in a lot of flexibility. And maybe that means more money. Maybe that means just more action in terms of meeting with your financial planner or with your portfolio or whatever that is. But really, you know, the best financial plan is not only going to give you that flexibility, but it's going to integrate every aspect of your financial life. In fact, you might even say that retirement comes in phases. We are going to put a pin in that because this has been an awesome conversation, but we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we'll be joined by a special guest who will explain to Andy, Isabel, and to me what the four phases of retirement are. Stick around. We'll be right back. Are you worried about the current volatility of the market, inflation rates, talk of a recession? Are you second-guessing your investment decisions? What better time than now to ensure your finances are moving forward than by getting an expert second opinion from an Edelman Financial Engines planner? Whether you already have a planner or simply need a new perspective, they can help you manage your wealth plan to both weather the volatility of the market today and help you protect and preserve it over the long term. To schedule your complimentary wealth checkup today, call 833-PLAN-EFE. 
That's 833-752-6333. Or visit their website at efewealthplanners.com. Put your uncertainties to rest once and for all. Schedule your complimentary wealth checkup right now. Welcome back to Everyday Wealth. Thanks for sticking with us. I am here with Andy Smith and Isabel Barra from Edelman Financial Engines, where you've been talking about the psychology of retirement. And to dive a little deeper, we want to welcome a special guest. His name is Dr. Riley Moynes. He's a retired educator and author. He wrote a book, called The Four Phases of Retirement, What to Expect When You're Retiring. And his 2022 TED Talk on the topic has been viewed over three and a half million times. Riley, welcome. Thanks so much for being here. Thank you so much for the opportunity. I appreciate it. Tell us what these four phases are and how they work. Well, the four phases are the result of um, uh, a number of years of research and interviewing um, well over 100 um, retirees. And um, I'm one of these people who uh, finds it easier to learn new things if I have a framework. I experienced retirement without this framework and found it to be uh, discombobulating might be the right word. (laughs) Love that word. In an effort to try to make sense of it for me uh, and perhaps for others, I conducted these interviews, and what I came up with was what I call the four phases of retirement. So briefly, phase one for most people uh, could be subtitled the vacation time. This is the initial phase of retirement. People are excited. uh, They feel a sense of freedom. Uh, It's portrayed uh, in all the commercials uh, as people walking along the beach and doing exactly what they want. Uh, and uh, and there's lots of travel that goes on in, in phase one, typically. But, you know, too much of a good thing can be too much. And I discovered that after a year or so, certainly in my experience and in the experience of many others, uh, we actually got a little bit bored. Uh, with, is that all there is to retirement? That, like, I, I've had enough golf. I've had enough beaches for a while. I, I need to do something that means something. It's not all about the fun. So phase one is wonderful, but it's relatively short-lived. It's followed typically by uh, phase two, uh, where we experience loss and we feel lost. We'll say a little bit more about this, I think. But Mm -hmm. uh, phase two is characterized by uh, five significant losses, including structure and purpose and and, and it's also made worse by some other things that we'll chat about in, in uh, a few moments. But phase two is the most challenging of the phases, in my experience, for people. And uh, it's characterized, as I say, by depression and, uh, and serious stuff. Uh, fortunately, at some point, though, many people, many boomers, will come to understand that they're going to live approximately one-third of their lives, quite likely 30 years in retirement, hugely different from 1950 when average life expectancy in North America was 68 years and we could anticipate three years of retirement. Baby boomers are looking at 30 years of retirement, and there comes a point where we say, hey, I can't go on like this. I'm feeling miserable. I don't want to feel miserable for the rest of my life. What do I need to do to break out of this and to turn things around? When people uh, express that, 
that's great because that leads to a period of rehabilitation. I call it phase three, trial and error. This phase is characterized by experimentation and adjustment. People try different activities and lifestyles to find out what works best for them to allow them to find a kind of new purpose and satisfaction in retirement. So phase three is kind of a turnaround and um, is, is a movement in the right direction. Phase four is, in my view, the ultimate phase. It's what I call the phase where we reinvent and rewire ourselves. This is the phase of retirement characterized by a renewed sense of purpose and fulfillment. People who reach phase four, and I must say that I believe, based on my research, that only about 60 or so percent of retirees break through and reach Mm. phase four, where doing some work to try to increase that number as best we can. But people in phase four have successfully adjusted to retirement. They've found new ways to to find fulfillment and satisfaction. So briefly, those are the four phases that that I've um, proposed. So in hearing you talk about it, my supposition is that only 60% of people get to phase four because they get stuck in phase two. And phase two, by the way, is why I don't want to retire. It sounds sounds awful. You yeah. mentioned a couple of the significant challenges, but you said there are five. What are they and how do we get out of it? Um, well, the losses that I associate with phase two, uh, which as I say, is the most challenging of the phases, So there are five significant, almost unavoidable losses that we've documented, all directly associated with retirement. We lose a sense of structure. Now in phase one, we're happy not to have the structure that has guided our lives for years. And we're happy to be kind of doing what we want, when we want, where we want sort of thing. But that wears off. And I'm convinced that there's something in us genetically that requires a structure. So in phase two, we have lost that structure that has kind of guided our lives. We didn't always like it, as I say, but something in us requires a structure that has been lost when we retire. Uh, The second loss is that of identity. Males in particular, but certainly not exclusively, seem to identify with the work that they do. Uh, It's an important part of their being. And when they retire, that identity is lost. And so we find In many cases, people referring to themselves as what they used to work at years after they've retired, they find it difficult to give up that identity. Third loss is one of relationships, because oftentimes during our working careers, we establish relationships that in some cases turn into lifelong friendships. And while it's true, we can go back and have coffee with the guys or the gals after we've retired. But it doesn't take long for us to realize that they're kind of still in it. We're on the outside. We are outsiders. And it doesn't take us long to realize that we just don't fit anymore. And we don't tend to do that for a very long period of time. The fourth significant loss is one of purpose. Many of us find purpose in what we do. We love what we do. It gives our lives meaning. And when we retire, that sense of purpose has been lost as well. Fifth, and finally, some people uh, experience a loss of power because over a period of a working career, 
they may have assumed some responsibility for personnel or for budget, and they have a sense of power, which when they walk out the door for the last time, they become just a guy or a gal in the street. Now, we don't see these five losses coming, but they're all directly related to retirement. And they all happen. We lose them all at the same time. It's like, poof, gone. And it can be very traumatic for people. But you know what? It gets worse. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Doc. Great. That's fantastic. It gets worse. Let's all retire. <laughs> it, gets, it gets worse because there are what I call the three Ds that are associated not so much with retirement directly, but with a time of life in our 60s and 70s, which often overlaps with retirement. Physical decline, for example. You know, that silky, smooth golf swing that we once possessed is not quite so silky or so smooth anymore. And then there's the mental decline as well. Like, where are the keys? Where, you know, where's the converter? I left them here. They're gone. What happened to them? There's all that kind of thing. Secondly, of the three Ds, divorce. Uh, there has been, for those people over 50, a doubling of the rate of divorce since 1990. And for those over 65, the rate of divorce has tripled since 1990. Then, of course, the third D, depression, which we can say more about in a couple of moments. The highest rate of suicide in North America today men over 75. So along those lines, you know, if you're in that phase two, if you are depressed, you know, yep. um, what, are, what do we do to fix that? I mean, how do you drag your way out of that to move into the other phases? How do you, how do yep. you find healing? How do you find purpose? Yep. Where do you begin? Well, let's just spend another moment on, on depression because it is very common in retirement. The Mayo Clinic says that there is a 40% likelihood that when you retire, you'll display aspects of clinical depression. Men are more likely to become depressed because of their identity with what they do. They seem to suffer from that more than females do. A, a study by UC Berkeley indicated that male retirees tend to experience high levels of satisfaction directly after retirement, which I associate with phase one, but then it falls sharply a few years later, which I associate with phase two. So how can we find healing? I, I propose that there are four ways, and we try to share those and get people to think about those in our, in our workshops. First of all, I think it's really important that we have to uh, apply some introspection. We're not particularly good at introspection. But this is hard work, and it doesn't come without some effort. So I ask people to identify what they would consider to be their unique purpose. Uh, by that I mean, what are the things or thing that you love to do and that you know you do exceedingly well? We've all got those things. We often don't think about them, but they can be important ammunition in breaking out of phase two. Secondly, I ask people to consider, they could think of a bunch of these. I ask them to list in our workshop just five past successes, victories, achievements. Everybody has them, but again, we don't often tend to think about them. So we identify what you love to do and do really well. We identify some of the past successes. And then thirdly, and this always amazes me, 
I asked people to look for the connections between those two. And there are almost always connections that people overlook between the things that they love to do and do really well and past successes. Of course, one leads to another, but people don't tend to see that. I asked them to try to draw those connections and so they can see the connections. And then fourthly, I asked people to look for ways that they can provide service to others. That is the underlying key component in my experience and my research about phase four. People in phase four provide service to others. Sometimes it's on a volunteer basis, sometimes it's not. Sometimes I know of people, for example, who deliver prescriptions for the local pharmacy. They get a little bit of money for it. They get tremendous satisfaction out of providing necessary medication to people who can't get to the pharmacy, perhaps, for example. It makes us feel good and we get far better feelings from giving than we do from receiving. So those are the ways that I'm encouraging people to build up the ability to get beyond phase two. Andy and I are both chomping at the bit to ask you the next question, but I'm going to just jump in because as you ran through those four things, what if they all have to do until you get to the last one with work? Um, There is a good argument that people should not retire, at least in the traditional sense. I would take the position that it's better for us to rewire That is to take the things that we know that we're good at, things that we love to do, things that that based on our experience and expertise we know we're good at, and apply them to perhaps a different situation than we're used to applying it to in our lengthy working or domestic career. We're talking with Dr. Riley Moynes. He's a retired educator, a very successful author with several bestsellers to his name, including what we're talking about right now. It's called The Four Phases of Retirement, What to Expect When You're Retiring. So, Dr. Moynes, these four phases. A lot of times in client meetings, I have talked about three phases of retirement, but it's mostly kind of age-based or health-based, right? So retirement to maybe age 80, 80 to 85, 85 to 88, anything after 88 is kind of a gift. In your research, have you found exceptions to these four phases? And if so, where do you see kind of the bigger changes hovering when people are kind of moving through this time in their life? Yeah, Uh, I I have found that there are two basic uh, exceptions to people experiencing the four phases. I believe that about 80 to 85% of retirees experience the four phases for different lengths of time and at different levels of intensity. I believe 80 to 85% of retirees go through those phases. But I found two exceptions. One exception tends to be entrepreneurs, uh, people who love what they do, have been doing it forever. They have no intention of retiring in the traditional sense. What they might like to do perhaps is to spend a little fewer than 80 hours doing what they've been doing for 40 or so years. They might like to back off a little bit as they train someone perhaps to take over from them at some point down the road. So entrepreneurs have no, as I say, no intention of retiring in the traditional sense. They don't experience phases two or three. They know what they love to do. They just keep on doing it perhaps, as I say, at a a lower level of intensity. The second group of people who I've found have been able to avoid the phases are people that I would call hobbyists, 
people who have over the course of their working or domestic careers created hobbies or they have a passion uh, that's uh, sort of outside, whether it's teaching, painting, piano, coaching, volunteering, whatever it might be, these folks tend also to bypass phases two and three. And what they're looking forward to is being able to spend more time doing the things that they have had restrictions on their time over the last uh, number of years. So they just move on. They found their passion. They just want to get on with it and do more of it. Those are the exceptions that I've found. We've got a lot of pre-retirees who are listening. And if you were taking all of this and bundling it into a prescription for moving through these phases as smoothly as possible, transitioning to retirement, setting yourself up for success so that you don't get stuck in phase two, what would you tell people to do? Um. I tell them all the time in our in our workshops because we have a number of free retirees who tend to be there as well. Uh, I would say to them, it's important to be aware of the four phases. I believe that forewarned can be forearmed. I think it's helpful if we know what to expect down the road, at least in general terms. Uh, so I believe it's important that they become aware of the four phases, that they are likely to experience uh, some, if not all of them. So that can be helpful, I think, just to have that framework that they can expect. Uh, I encourage them not to retire, at least in the traditional sense of retiring and then heading to the rocking chair. No, that's not what this is about. That may be the case for a couple of years in phase one where you just do as little as you as you can and you're kind of on vacation. But we're going to live 30 or 40 years in retirement. And so it's important that we rewire that these pre-retirees identify their skills, their abilities, their experience, their expertise. And at the same time, they need to be clear about what it is that's going to give them a sense of satisfaction and accomplishment when they retire. And then they can start to consider what aspects or what areas they might wish to apply their skills and expertise in retirement. But again, I have found that the fundamental underlying principle for success in phase four is being open and willing to provide service to others. It makes us feel just great. Dr. Riley Moynes, thank you so much for spending this time with us. My pleasure. My pleasure. And Thanks for giving me the opportunity. Of course. Please come back. And Andy and Isabel, as you come out of this conversation, anything you're going to take back to your clients? I think that it's having this conversation. I, I often say, you've heard me say it here before, that there's these three phases. I don't know if, Andy, you say the same ones, but I say there's the the go, 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 the slow go, and the no go, right? And that's a really simplified way of just saying, like, when you first retire, you're, you've got a lot of energy, you got a lot of things on your bucket list, on your to-do list, you're going to get out and you're going to start doing stuff. And then, you know, yeah, you've done it and you, you maybe don't want to do it anymore and things start to slow down and now it's the slow go phase. And then eventually... You know, you can't do a lot when you're in your 90s and when you're 100 years old. And so maybe that's the no-go phase. And I think having this conversation where maybe there's something in between it, which is like the uh-oh phase, right? <laughs> which is that, look, things are not, it's not, this trajectory is not going to be easy. And that this is something you need to be emotionally ready for and really accept that maybe the traditional form of retirement isn't for you. And if it's not, that's okay too. 
you know, and and everyone's got to do it their own way. Yeah, I think a lot of it has to do with kind of really zeroing in on this trial and error concept, right? Whatever you think the plan is going to be, it could totally change, right? This is not a, oh, you've gone through the income planning and expenses and you know where you're going to be and we've figured out a second home or not and all these things and you've got this beautiful little plan and you set it on the shelf and you forget about it forever, right? This is a, hey, let's try some things. And so this third phase, trial and error, you experiment. You experiment and adjust. If it doesn't work, that's okay. You still have time. But just because you think you know where you're going doesn't always mean that that's really where you actually need to be going. But if you don't know all of those other things, it's like a you got to be this high to ride the ride, right? You need to know where the finances are going to come in, right? This is kind of the emotional, psychological kind of being a human being, sort of aspect to retirement. And I think that is absolutely overlooked by people. All they're looking at is a date. They're looking at this first couple of years and they think it's going to continue on into infinity. And that's just not the case. And I also would, I would add that I think, you know, a lot of people when they retire and they think, well, maybe I should go back to work for financial reasons or whatever. I mean, you know, whether or not it be part-time or 10 hours a week or 15 hours a week, like what your husband is doing, you know, don't beat yourself up over it. Maybe you look at that and say, well, that's my way of dealing with sort of the mental health component of this mm-hmm. is I am going to have a job. I am going to do something. I'm going to write that novel. I'm going to do whatever it is that's going to take up some time and is going to structure my day. And don't make yourself feel guilty about it. Like somehow I'm a failure because I couldn't do what my neighbor down the street is doing when they retired and went on, you know, 12 vacations a year. That's just maybe not the trajectory that's right for you. Exactly. Exactly. A friend of mine who is in sort of the glide into retirement, I I took a walk with her last week and she was describing this life that they're living in a gated community in Florida seven months out of the year as it's like summer camp. And I'm thinking, kill me now. Just saying my take. Anyway, we're going to leave it right there. Isabel, Andy, thank you so much for being here. Thank you. Be sure to subscribe to the Everyday Wealth podcast wherever you stream your favorite podcasts or just visit everydaywealth.com where all of our episodes are available to you. Thanks so much for listening and we'll talk soon. You've been listening to Edelman Financial Engines Everyday Wealth with Gene Chatsky. Edelman Financial Engines has been ranked by Barron's as the number one investment advisor in the country. If you've missed an episode or are interested in additional personal finance topics, be sure to subscribe to the Everyday Wealth Podcast. Our podcast library offers helpful insights on topics such as tax-efficient portfolios, retirement withdrawal strategies, investing, and financial planning, to name just a few. To learn more, visit our website, everydaywealth.com, or find our show wherever you stream your favorite podcast.